Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. You guys are listening to the Voyage into Hell show. We are uh, we're covering this book by my guest Steve Subwat. It's called Voyage into Hell: True Stories, Sailing Rally, Somali Pirates, and the Quest Tragedy. We are making our way across the world. Last week, we were spending a lot of time in the Pacific Rim of Fire. We were talking about volcanoes and crazy, crazy runs, all kinds of cool stuff in those Polynesian islands. And uh, up to now, it's been it's been adventurous with weather. We're learning a lot about terminology and sailing. Um, we're learning about how rallies work when you get together with a rally to go around the world and, and the dynamics there. And uh, Steve and Maria are approaching Australia, and we're going to make landfall today, I believe, in Australia. And uh, we're going to talk all about that. And before we do that, really quick, if you guys have not listened to the show, we have, this is episode eight, so we have seven other episodes. We're going through the book chapter by chapter. We're almost, eh, we're almost halfway through. Pretty cool. Um, but you can go to the, some of the other shows, athleonfire.com slash voyage into hell. Or to make it easy on you, just go get our Athlete on Fire app on the Android or your iPhone, iOS device, and you can just have the stuff stream into your mobile device all the time. So that being said, I, I'm really excited. we got Steve. He is in uh, St. Lucia. St. Lucia. You're right, Scott. Steve is a sick son of a gun. Every week, he call, he calls me from a different island in the Caribbean, and and I'm sitting here, and I love the snow, so I'm not going to talk bad about the snow, but I'm sitting here in this frigid frigid weather. I'm looking outside. It's snowing, and I'm just imagining him and his wife drinking some kind of fruity concoction every five minutes. It's just you're right. evil, Steve. I'm very evil. Yeah, the rum punches are flowing down here, I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, what's the, rum punch, do you have a favorite uh, recipe? Uh, and no, whatever they fix at the bar is good with me. <laughs> you know? Not a picky, not a picky guy, huh? Not picky at all. Uh, they usually make them really uh, fruity, uh, a lot of local juices, and then you add rum to it, of course, and it just makes your makes your day or night. <laughs> oh man! Or it could make uh, your next day not so good. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so last week we were talking about a lot of those islands in the Pacific Rim, and uh, we 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 talked about the um, the volcanoes. And was that on uh, Vanuatu or was that on? Um, the L. What's the L one? Oh, it's, it's on Tana. Tana. Uh, but it's, it, it's in Vano. It's part of Vano, Vanuatu, yes. Vanuatu. Okay, cool. So we were talking about that. And I, when I was talking to you, Steve, I was, um, I was Google Earthing <laughs> these islands because <laughs> I just wanted to see. Because the way you're describing it, this active volcano on this pretty small island. And so my son is obsessed with volcanoes, like absolutely obsessed. So yes. when you told me about the um, uh, the lava that was just like a big old car-sized chunk of lava sitting out in in the open i was explaining that to my four-year-old and and i literally spent a half hour showing him pictures of of lava and so we're i guess we're doing some some fun education based on the on the stories here it's pretty cool well, i'm glad oh yeah he's learning too that's great <laughs> yeah it's pretty neat so okay you guys uh you're leaving uh that that rim I, how far from that last island do you have to get to australia what's what's the game plan here Okay, we're going to leave Vanuatu and sail a thousand miles to the um, eastern coast of Australia, make landfall through the Great Barrier Reef in a place called Mackay, which is just north of Brisbane. Okay, so you, you set off. You have you have two uh, you have two different um, options for what could happen. <laughs> I like how you set that up in the book. So, what actually did happen? 
Okay, well, the one option is just it's the the glossy magazine version. You know, it's beautiful sunrises, sunsets. You got stars overhead. Just an easy transit of the, this passage, and you make landfall, and it's all fun and games. But what actually happened wasn't like that. Of course, we leave Vanuatu, and the weather predictions weren't right. So we've got about thirty knots of wind again, and the seas are huge. They're over twenty feet. They go up to thirty feet, and about halfway through the passage. Aspen's batteries decide to die. Of course, Aspen's our boat. And without batteries, it's not a good thing because you have no power for your lights or your radio or your engine. Because when the wind was going to die, as we go through the reef, we have to have an engine. We have to have navigation instruments. So, yeah, we lost our batteries, which means all, all power whatsoever on the boat. So we had to make a mid-ocean rendezvous with another rally boat who was close by, and he had a spare battery. So we had to find me. It's like a needle in a haystack in the middle of the Pacific Ocean before the Great Barrier Reef. And it took him about half a day to find me based on GPS coordinates. But he did find me. And this is a good thing. So, And then we rafted up at sea. We tied the two boats together, and he had to pass me a battery. And uh, I had to figure what fiddle with the wires to get the proper connection working and I just held my breath because you can blow something up pretty easy if you do it wrong and I uh, guessed right and I connected the battery and Aspen was ready to go again but it was a harrowing experience rafting up at sea that's for sure. It's, it sounds like a scene from like Die Hard where you're just matching you know the red wire and the, and the yellow wire hoping it, something yeah. doesn't explode. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and then we had two red wires. It's okay, 50-50 chance. You know? So I was, I was, I was reading that there was, um, there's definitely a risk to, to get caught up toward, I, I'm paraphrasing, but to get caught up in, in the draft or the, the, the water to go towards Antarctica. What was that risk there? Was that a real risk? Well, yo, definitely a real risk because what happens, the storms are coming off the Southern Ocean. That's Antarctica. These storms track every four days across our path, and a thousand-mile passage is going to be about seven days, so you're going to hit a storm, and we did. But the storms coming off Antarctica are incredible. They're so brutal. I mean, you just don't want to encounter them, but it's, it's a fact of life when you're sailing in these uh, lower latitudes. It's going to happen, and, and you, know, you just hope for the best. Absolutely. So you kind of get a tow back to, to land. Oh, well, that was another boat that got the tow. Oh, um, we okay. didn't. Yeah, so we got a battery from that boat, and we I put the battery on. We we broke up the raft, and we were ready to go. But another boat suffered an engine problem, and it had to be towed 400 miles all the way to Australia by another boat. Uh, it was incredible. It's the longest towing record we had. 400 miles. Oh my goodness! So, Great Barrier Reef. Talk uh, about that a little bit. Ah, uh, the Great. It stretches all along the east coast of Australia. You may have heard of it. It's a big guy. Um, so, you know, you got to make your way through there. You just can't go through the reef. There's certain passages. You, you know, it's a big reef out there, and, and ships have hit it, of course, and sunk. Um, so you have to find a way through it. One we chose was called Hydrographer's Passage. It's a little cut that they found not too long ago um, in the early 1900s, and uh, we were able to go through that and make our way inside the reef, and that's crucial. So you make this winding passage that cargo ships also use, it's kind of marked, so you use the marks to get through the reef, and once inside the reef, the seas calm down, the winds don't, but the seas calm down, and this is where the whales play, and everything imaginable in terms of sea life is, is present inside the reef, and it's just glorious inside there. So for somebody who, who's trying to picture this, is it something that you can see? Is it shallow enough to see? Is it, uh, like, 
what, what's it like from the surface, you know? Oh, yeah. When you approach it, all of a sudden you'll see these waves um, jumping up into the air. And you go, oh, there's the reef. And it becomes very shallow. Like you can't go over the reef. It's too shallow. You, you would break up your boat. So you could actually see it. Um, it's just the deep ocean, you know, you've got 5,000 feet right next to zero. And it's like, whoa, and the waves are breaking on it. It, it. It's similar like if you're in the Florida Keys, which you've seen. you got the, the reefs down there, but this thing is just a monster. It's the largest barrier reef in the world, so you definitely see it from the ocean. What's the, what's the coolest wildlife that you saw on your trip on that part? Again, again it's the killer whales. Uh, the killer whales inside the reef, our friends were sailing uh, alongside of us about uh, 100 yards away to our port, uh, left side, and they said, oh, they're all excited. Here come the, the, the killer whales, a big pot of killer whales. And I'm like, oh, my God, keep them over there. So we hugged the right side near the reef. I wanted to be well away from those things. But the killer whales were the biggest thing. And then the dolphins playing in your wake. When dolphins are jumping and they're spinning around and just they enjoy being in a sailboat's wake. And we just see that all the time time and it never gets old did you did you guys see any great whites when you're out there we did not um no luckily we didn't see those you know of course we hear about them but no we did not see any i know that's a big uh talking point in australia of course oh, it is it is so you guys finally get out there you, you uh you make your way to to Mackay. is that how you say it that's right Mackay, australia north of brisbane okay so what was the what was the landfall like Okay. Well, so, of course, we missed time that one because we had the battery problems. But we made landfall in um, the, at the city, Mackay, at 2 a.m. in the morning and were directed immediately to the quarantine dock. Australia is very strict. They have Coast Guard patrols and everything. You just can't come to Australia and walk on land. So they, they put us on this dock called the quarantine dock, heavily guarded. You can't get off of it. But we could celebrate there. And a number of other boats, of course, made landfall with us at 2 o'clock in the morning. And they were happened to be Scottish, and they broke out the whiskey. So we drank Lagavulin whiskey at 2, 3, and 4 in the morning. Oh, just incredible celebrating our landfall on the quarantine dock. This is crazy. <laughs> so you got to, you, you had to step away from the rum for, for a day or two and hit the whiskey. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, which I don't drink whiskey, but, you know, I had to, you had to do something. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we're kind of... <laughs> What about first uh, first impressions of the actual country once once you got there once you're on land and experiencing a bit? What happened? Well, your first impression is customs comes to your boat. Uh, again, they're very strict, so they have to clear you into the country. You can't bring any fruits, vegetables, or pets into the country, and uh, so they search your boat before you can even step foot on land. They go to everybody's boat, search it, and you show them everything. We don't have any fresh fruits and vegetables because we threw all that overboard when we lost all of our power anyway. Um, so uh, they searched our boat, had no problem at all. Uh, you can't bring any meats in there, and that was the key because none of the rally boats had meat. But there was a, another big powerboat, like a mega yacht, came to a, a dock, the dock there, and they had $10,000 worth of new New Zealand beef on board. And Australian customs guys looked at that, smiled, brought in a truck, loaded the beef into the truck, took it out in a field, and burned it. You could not – oh, it's just horrible. They said, you think we have a barbecue. Well, we don't. We have to burn it and then get rid of it because it, you know, it could create a problem in Australia. Wow, and wow. that's just a bacterial thing, right? It is, yeah, and they, they they don't trust any meat, so you can't bring anything like that into the country, and it's well known. So you're warned before, but these people just didn't figure it applied to them, I guess. So it was a big barbecue, but you couldn't eat it. 
<laughs> I bet it's. I, it sounds good. I might. It's you know, it's getting close to lunch. It sounds pretty good. Ten thousand. Yeah, beef. for for beef. That's right. But the other thing was, uh, no rally boat had any problems coming into Australia because of that, and also, um, but one boat did have a problem. And that was the boat with Bob Riggle on board. We talked about Bob in the past. Uh, he and Phyllis had sailed around the world. Bob arrives in Australia. He's a crew member on another boat. And Customs go uh, went to him and said, oh, you're Bob Riggle. We have a problem with you. What? And Bob's what? going, yeah. And Bob goes, what do you mean a problem with me? And, uh, I mean, Bob's been there before, but he never had any problems. Well, they sent the police on board with a uh, drug dog. And searched the whole boat, tearing it apart. And Bob's going, this is because of me? And they go, oh, yeah, we got a problem. We got a problem. And then they searched the whole boat, found nothing. And then come to find out, it was a mistaken identity. There was another Bob Riggle. And they same <laughs> the same name, but it wasn't the, our Bob Riggle. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that poor guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he felt bad about the dog, police dog coming on board and all that. <laughs> so the, the next chapter, of course, is uh, – Title. It's a subchapter. It's it's titled "Enjoying Being Upside Down." So, what what what? You know, just dive into that bit because you're just talking about how how cool the country is and. Oh yeah, you know Australia. We t- I talked about the three T's before: Tahiti, Thailand, and Turkey. That's what you want to visit. Those places, if you're going around the world or just to visit, and you have to include in that three T's Australia. Australia is a fascinating country. It's like the United States used to be so long ago and Canada as well so long ago. Very friendly people and they they like visiting with you. They love to see you. So just visiting this kind of a country is cool. And it, also, the toilet water runs backwards. It doesn't go clockwise around a toilet. It goes opposite. It goes counterclockwise when you flush the toilet. And just cool watching that go down the drain. It, <laughs> It's really neat. <laughs> that's that's one of the weirdest phenomenons in the world. I swear to goodness, it is. It is yes, and but you have to remember in Australia, everything there will kill you. I mean, anything that crawls, slithers, swims, or flies, it's going to kill you. So you got to be really careful because they've got saltwater crocodiles, jellyfish, box jellyfish, stingers in the water. You have to wear special suits if you're going snorkeling. They got snakes, uh, spiders, you name it, and they're deadly. So you really got to watch your step as you're going across Australia. So the box jellyfish, remind me of those. Oh, that's the, the big jellyfish with the tentacles that hang down. Oh, they're, they're deadly. Uh, if if you happen to get tangled up in one, but you can see them floating in the water. They got the big sail up, and they they just kind of cruise by you, and you go, oh my god, a box jellyfish, uh, very poisonous stingers. What's the the man of war? Is that a jelly? Is that what am I thinking of here? Oh, the man of war is a similar uh, jellyfish. Yes, okay. same thing. Right. Yes, yeah. Crazy. But a box jellyfish, box jellyfish are, are world famous as being deadly. You know, when we were in, um, I want to say, Thai, yeah, we were in Thailand. We were, Thailand. we were in uh, Rayleigh. Have you been to Rayleigh? No, I have not. So it's just, it's just amazing climbing. Uh, it's not an island, but it might as well be. Uh, but anyway, swimming every day. And there, there's, a, so you go out and you do like deep water solo climbing. So you go out, you kayak out, and then you you rock climb when the tide's high, and then you can just jump in the ocean when you're done. But oh. one day, all these like these little miniature jellyfish, like the size of a quarter, there's like thousands yes. of them everywhere, and they just barely sting you. But it's the most annoying thing in the world. Yeah, that's what they call stingers in Australia, and you have stinger suits that prevent the sting. But oh. it's crazy. Oh, so I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're in Mackay, and you're enjoying the country. How long? How long were you guys going to spend in, in Mackay? 
Oh, well, we spent, uh, oh boy, uh, about uh, six weeks in Mackay getting the boat repaired. Uh, we're halfway around the world now. This is the halfway point of any uh, circumnavigation. So we got to repair things that are broken. A lot of people fly home. Uh, Maria flew back to the States to see the birth of our uh, grandson. First one, and she arrived 12 hours before it was born. Just perfect timing. And then she flew back a week later bringing boat parts. That was always good. Um, so you use this to replenish supplies, and this is Mackay. Great stopping place. The only problem is it's kind of cool down there. It's in the 50s to 70s is all because it's springtime now in Australia and we got to have jackets on. So again, a great place to visit uh, Mackay, Australia. Okay. So six weeks, you're getting everything set up. There's a story you talk about a hot and barren coastline. You you tell a little little anecdote about Captain Cook. That's kind of interesting. Well, what happens, okay, now we're going to leave Mackay, and we sail through what's called the Whitsunday Islands, world-famous sailing area. You've got Australian pines lining the shore, white sand beaches. All the Australians love it there, and they come visit, and we just enjoyed it. Now, and then you're inside the reef, but it's it's not an easy passage sailing inside the reef. It's very intricate. As you're working your way up the eastern coast of Australia, you're sailing north. So you've got to go in and out of these littler, smaller reefs inside the Great Barrier Reef. And the person who found the route here was Captain James Cook in the 1700s. I mean, he's on a sailing vessel. He's got to anchor his sailing vessel, hike to the top of an island, look out. And these are islands within the Great Barrier Reef. Look out and say, oh, there's the passage, you know, five miles ahead. I've got to keep left i've got to keep right and he found the way through there and he charted it and those are the charts we use today to sail inside the great barrier reef of australia wow so yeah you talk about how desolate lots of the lots of the coastline were how was that an issue Oh, my God. You know, you have no cell phone coverage at all. And you, you just make landfall. Uh, you go into a harbor. You anchor. There might be a little town there, but there's no facilities there. They have a few beach restaurants, which is really cool. But, it, you know, they all speak English there. It's really neat, but it's just very uh, remote, to say the least. We visited places like Cairns, Port Douglas, Lizard Island, Cooktown, after James Cook. And then we go around the, the top of Australia, which is called the Top End. That's the Aboriginal lands. The Aborigines own these lands. It's all red dirt. Everybody's covered in red dust all the time. And it's very, it's 100 degrees all the time. It's like a desert up there, uh, very hot and very humid, 100% humidity all the time. Just desolate. And they have a few scattered bars along the top end. When you anchor, you go into shore and you're looking for a restaurant or a bar, anything. Little bitty grocery store might be there. But the bars are, um, they have to be careful in Australia with the aboriginals because they don't want them to drink alcohol. They have that the problem with alcohol. So they have barbed wire around the bars. But you have to buy a club membership with well, aboriginals, buy a club membership and come in. And it's like the Wild West used to be in the U.S. I mean, it's, whoa, it's pretty rough up there. I can tell you that. <laughs> but the, wow. they have fight, fights and stuff like that. But it's the top end, just a, a really neat area. But you have to be careful as usual. But, uh, you know, it, it, this is part of the experience. So that was accurate, the 100 degrees and 100% humidity? All the time. We just roasted up there. People would make trips um, from Cairns or uh, Port Douglas in a Jeep. You have to drive, you know, oh, God, a long ways up there, uh, maybe a 12-hour drive to get to the top of Australia. They would love doing that, and they'd come out of their Jeeps, and they're just coated red. 
It's, they love doing explore exploration like that, just going cruising through the desert, desert in the shrub brush. Oh, that's crazy. So what's the uh, what's the little pass? So you're getting. I'm looking at a map. You're getting close to like Somerset. Is that one of the places? Or I think I lost you. Well, Somerset, yeah, that's one of them. Um, are you at the top now? Yeah, I'm at the top. Or, or you, sorry, are you at the top now, Scott? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, so you come around the first, yeah, you come around that first headland, and then you, you start heading west. We're going to make our way over to Darwin. Okay. So there's something about the, the hole in the wall. Well, where was that? Okay, that's at the top end. There's this passage. You can either go um, the long way around, which you don't want to do, because that's going to take you about uh, a day and a half, or which is you have to go way around this reef at the top of Australia. Uh, you head towards Indonesia and then back down. Or you can take the shortcut through the hole in a wall. And you, you stop at the top end and you go to the bar and they've got a, a picture of the, the hole in the wall. And it's this narrow little channel that's a mile long cut through a rock and that's where you're going to sail if you're brave enough and they give you a t-shirt sometimes at the bar if you make it through because you have to time it exactly at slack tide it saves you again a day and a half so we said all right we're going to do that what happens is you've got this narrow channel as i said it's about 50 feet wide and you're going to shoot through that when the tide isn't coming the other way because the tide roars at about 15 knots against your boat it will push your boat into the sides of the cliff and destroy it that's very common too up there so you have to time it perfectly which we did you had to get up at three o'clock in the morning we go to hole get to the hole in the wall and make it through and like oh that was cool no problem at all but the group behind us they decided to sleep in and they arrived over an hour behind us now the tide's changing and they're starting to see the seas that are rolling in there they barely got out with their boats intact it was that it became that bad within one hour and it was just horrendous conditions for them wow wow so okay you get through the hole wall and you're heading towards darwin right darwin australia named after charles darwin was there what was the main reason um, for going there? You just wanted to see it, or was it a big stop before another push? What was the, the strategy? Yeah, Darwin is is the major stopping point uh, before you get to Indonesia. So this is a major stopping point for the rally. Rally management is going to be meet us there, and we regroup there. We go into a marina, and we spend uh, three weeks there, mainly to tour the national parks that are very close to Darwin. Uh, fantastic national parks. You've got termite mounds that are 20, 30 feet high, uh, kangaroos jumping all over the place. Everything you imagine about Australia is within easy striking distance of Darwin. So that's why we went there and just to, to regroup, get the rally back together and, and get our visa for Indonesia. You have a special permit you have to have to get to Indonesia. They don't want you to come in, coming in there, so you, you have to apply for this permit and a visa, and it takes a good week after we've done the paperwork well before. And then you have to go to the embassy, get this paperwork approved, and then they give it back to you, like I said, in a week, and then you can go to Indonesia from Darwin. What was Darwin like? What were those parks like? Oh, the parks are just fa uh, just fascinating. We we rented a car and you just cruise through a desolate landscape, and, and you've got uh, oh you've got the Aboriginal uh, paintings that are everywhere in these caves. You can visit that. You can uh, was able to run through the desert, but again, you got to be careful of the snakes and the scorpions and the spiders. But um, they have things like that. But but you, you're just enjoying this desolate landscape. This fantastic big. Uh, uh, 
you know, caves you can visit. Um, the Aboriginal culture, we got to um, to visit that as well. Uh, here, the, the didgeridoo, which is the oldest musical instrument in the world. They play this didgeridoo, which most people have heard about. It's just an incredible sound, and they would just play this great music, and you just sit around a fire at night and listen to this, sit, have the stars overhead. Just a great experience. How, how long were you guys there? We were in Darwin uh, about three weeks. Now, uh, we stayed there three weeks, but in Darwin, the tides are about 20 feet. So that means the water rises and falls 20 feet. And so to get to shore is really difficult because you have to pull your your dinghy um, about a half a mile up sh- up the, the shore to get it away from the water. And if it's low tide, it's a long thing to pull. So what we did, all the uh, there's uh, several marinas. There are three of them. They're always full of cruising boats because it's the major stop. So they have to let you into the marina behind a lock. So you have to actually go through a lock that opens. You go into this small lock with your boat. They shut the door behind you. They raise the water level, and then you open another door, and you float into the marina itself. So it's protected by a lock. All the rally boats had to do that to get into the marina, and we did, and that's where we regrouped. It was called Tipperary Waters Marina. Oh, wow. That's kind of tedious. Uh, yeah, very tedious, but uh, you know that's what you have to do. But oh, I forgot one thing as we were coming into Darwin. I mean, we're all excited. We're making landfall in Darwin, Charles Darwin's place. And we're coming in, and I, I look towards the, the city, and it's not a city, a real big one, but it's, it's a city. And you see this beautiful roll cloud in the distance. I see you know, a roll cloud is this black, pitch black cloud, and it's, it's really nice looking. And then I notice that it's moving towards us. Now, you, you don't want to be in the path of a roll cloud. You know, it's, it's like a massive squall, and that thing hit Aspen as we were approaching Darwin before we got in the marina. Hit us and ripped our canvas just right off Aspen. I made a grab for the canvas and caught it, and so I saved it, but it would ripped it right off. That's our covering for the cockpit where I steer the boat from. Ripped it apart. So we had to save that, and we had to get that repaired in Darwin, and another rally boat nearly collided with a, a cargo ship because they were out of control. They didn't see the cloud coming. They had too much sail up, and they nearly collided with a tanker, and you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't good. But that was our welcome to Darwin. <laughs> did you guys, <laughs> when you guys went through that path, <clears throat> excuse me, when you went through that pass, did you guys want to go to Papua New Guinea, or did, was it just not possible? Um, no, that actually, we... Papua New Guinea, that's another um, island, and we that was out of the way of our route. So we couldn't make a side trip to there. We just didn't have the time. Um, but we were close to there, of course. Yeah, there's some amazing uh, treks there from the Second World War I know I know of. just I, I know a guy who did these just – they weren't ultra runs necessarily. They're just crazy treks from these, these, um, these old fights, but kind of crazy. Really pretty country it looks like. That'd be really nice. Okay, so you're in Darwin. You're getting set up. You're getting your permit for Indonesia, which didn't seem like the easiest thing in the world. It seemed like a pain in the butt. But um, really quick, so you're you're about to go to Indonesia. Define Indonesia. It's such a it's it's kind of a hard concept, you know, um, geographically. Yeah, it is um, <clears throat> Indonesia. Yeah, interesting place. There's so many different uh, cultures there. It's, it's mainly Muslim, except for Bali. I mean, you know, Bali is Hindu, 
Swiss island under itself. So that you're going to have the Hindu culture there, the Muslim culture there, and it's it's so remote. These little villages. You've got Komodo dragons there and things like that that we're going to visit in the future. But you know, it, it's just going to be. Um, it's it's a totally different change from what we're used to in the rally. We're going from <clears throat> um, places that that are very friendly to places that are much more dangerous in Indonesia. So you're about to head to Indonesia. You do a little briefing. Was there anything during that briefing um, that that kind of gave you guys some some pause or or made you nervous, or was it all just taken in stride? Just, no, we really were nervous. What happened? Uh, we uh, got together as a rally to have our briefing, and we went to this what's called a yacht club. It's just a bar, and you've got a lot of the local sailors around there, and they were kind of um, making fun of the the talk we were given by the rally management. You know, they're saying, ah, oh, yeah, right, ah, you know, the stuff like that. And they're pretty rough people. And they're saying, well, you can't get anything uh, in Indonesia. And they warn us you can't even get to, to canned tomatoes there. And we're like, oh, my God. They said, bring bring clothes, extra clothes, bring pencils, pens. The, the people are so poor there. So, you know, we stock up on all this stuff and come to find out it's not all, it's not true. <laughs> nothing these people told us, um, you know, the, the people who were heckling us, nothing they told us was true. Indonesia has canned tomatoes. I mean, and we'd bring these clothes and the people go, well, what do we want those rags for? You know, they, we're, you know, we don't want that. It's like, oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but before you guys, well, for your next chapter, we're going to go into Indonesia, I'm, uh, I'm assuming. I haven't read it yet. But what was, what was the game plan? What did you want to do? What was the route going to be? What happens, uh, we had five new rally boats join us in Australia. We, we, as I said, we had a lot of people drop out along the way. They wanted to spend more time in the, the Pacific or um, they wanted to sail to New Zealand or stay in Australia. So a lot of – we've lost, um, oh boy, about 12 rally boats uh, by the time we got to Australia. And in Australia, we had five boats join the rally. So now we're up to 22 total boats. So that's the plan now. We're going to get everybody together, and we're going to visit all of Indonesia because, again, this starts the, the crucial leg of our journey, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, and then we have to go through the Indian Ocean and up into the Mediterranean still. So this is a long passage, but it's, you know, it's part of the rally, and that's why we joined this one. We wanted to get to the Mediterranean, and to do that, you have to go through these third and fourth world countries, I call them that. Um, it's, it's, it's not really an acceptable term fourth world but i mean you talk about third world countries these are even much more primitive than that as you know from uh, papua new guinea so did you i, I know we're going to cover this but were you going through the the red sea to get to the mediterranean Exactly. Uh, um, yeah, we have to cross the Indian Ocean first, and then we're going to go through the Red Sea up into the Mediterranean. That's the route. Wow. Okay. This is going to be fun. Well, so next week is is the next chap. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is the next chapter just kind of getting into Indonesia and starting to experience some of those islands and and cultures? It is. Uh, and we're going to talk about the, a lot of the rally problems. We had significant rally problems in, 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 in oh, excuse me, Indonesia uh, with Bob and Phyllis, and I'll go into that. Then we're going to visit magical places like uh, uh, Bali, uh, you know, just amazing things. See Komodo dragons run on the beach uh, in their territory, things like that we're going to go into. And uh, a lot of rally dynamics are going to start to occur now because – 
Australia was where, um, you know, a lot of, again, we're having a new group come on, and they're not well-received, but uh, that's just part of the rally attitude. All right, Steve, so that's going to be fun. I, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing the story. No problem. I appreciate it, Scott. No, I had fun. Awesome. So next week we get to go into Indonesia, place, places I've spent a little bit of time in Southeast Asia, but not where he's going. I'm, I'm excited to hear about this, this uh, ongoing story. And um, it looks like the route is pretty pretty wild. So it's, things are going to get a little crazy coming up, I have a feeling. And uh, you guys, if you're listening, go to Athlete on Fire. Check out the rest of the shows. Steve is a great storyteller, as you can hear. And every single episode is uh, full of the same energy and same same information just coming across the world on, on this little sailboat. So thanks a lot. Until next time, I'm Scott Jones. You guys are listening to Steve Segua on the Athlete on Fire show. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.